chat GPT going to change the world? I don't know. We can talk about that in a bit. Timing of its release was absolutely rubbish, and someone should be holding people accountable for those choices that people make. Not thinking through consequences when you push the button and suddenly something's widely accessible is we just can't continue to behave this way. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Chat, GPT, and AI are in the news almost every place you look. It has not only been a noted technological advancement, but it has been a social phenomenon of sorts. Several weeks ago, I was invited to participate in a panel discussion about AI. The audience was a group of judges and attorneys from around the state of Indiana. Our guest today was one of my co-panelists, Angie Raymond. Angie is an associate professor at Indiana University, Go Hoosiers, Department of Business Law and Ethics. As we both geeked out on the potential of generative AI, we almost naturally fell into this point-counterpoint style discussion, but I don't want to use that as our intent today. We're, we are going to talk about some of the legal implications of AI, at, at least some of the, the things that we should be considering as leaders uh, and especially technology leaders. So Angie, with that, welcome to Status Go. Thank you, Jeff. It's wonderful to be here. And thanks for the opportunity to chat with you. I also enjoyed the panel a lot. So thanks. You know, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. And we got into some great discussion. And the people in the room were, were joining in as well. Uh, so as, as listeners, if you want to join in on this conversation, be sure and, and comment uh, either in LinkedIn or send a comment to the show. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Before we really dive into AI, Angie, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey, your career journey uh, with our guests. I, I, I think knowing your background a little bit kind of helps set the stage. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you got here today. Absolutely. Um, so I'm like a lot of uh, people when you're a little bit older, you oftentimes don't just have this sort of straight sidewalk path. Uh, to your career. So I actually started uh, in psychology and sociology way back when. And so I actually was for a considerable period of time, a mental health therapist. And during that, you know, uh, sort of a transition in, in that point in time, we were doing some program design around groups and individual therapy and stuff for a particular uh, group of individuals. And, and, um, as so many people in that area, unfortunately, you, you do sort of get burnt out. So I was looking for something different. And I went away to law school. And, you know, just quite honestly, I've never looked back uh, with that decision. So I, I sort of laugh and say, you know, in another life, I was a mental health therapist, but I certainly draw upon that in so many different ways. And, and so, uh, so I went off to law school and did all that type of stuff and discovered that there's just so many opportunities in the business world to, th to bring over some of the skills as it relates to mental health and law and policy. And so I, I got just completely enamored with uh, international commercial law, which was using tons of tech. 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. these were the early adopters of e-commerce. I was, I was at law again, going to date myself, but that's when I was at law school and was fortunate enough to, to have a mentor who was doing all the e-commerce stuff. And that just, you know, it sparked such an interest because of course, as, as someone who, who's a therapist, you look at that and like, yeah, no, I can make that button really fancy. So you click on it a lot. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so we end up with this, this sort of moment in time where I was just incredibly fortunate to bring those two worlds together yeah. and have continued to just, um, just enjoy every day in, in this area uh, over and over. What, what led you to teaching uh, and teaching, uh, uh, business law, business ethics? What, sure. how did you go that path? Sure. I had always, so I'm, I had always been a teacher type which was, you know, a bit interesting. I, when I went off to law school, I really never intended to truly practice law. I knew I was probably going to do policy or bring things together. And then you start teaching and you realize, wow, you know, I as an individual can do one thing or maybe three things. Let's pretend like I have nothing but spare time and I can do five things. <laughs> well, I can take a group of people who are ridiculously excited sometimes <laughs> And just sort of spread the the exposure and the experience and give them the ability to think through things. And especially when we started about talking about technology and stuff, I pretty quickly realized, you know, I should be a vote of one. I have an opinion, but we have to include more people in these conversations to decide yeah. how this should work and how it will be successful. And so teaching just sort of came naturally from, from that point. That's excellent. And so, so what's, What's driving your your passion and your excitement about AI? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So, I think it's a it's an interesting moment in time, right? And I'm I'm gonna be fortunate, right? I went through the e-commerce revolution where we were sort of like, ooh, you know, we can have a button that you click. Look how easy we can make it, and it almost is is like you know candy in the cereal aisle, mm -hmm. which is done on purpose, you know, for those of you who are parents. <laughs> um, well, everything's done on purpose they're at the checkout they're in the cereal aisle on purpose as are to used to be toys and things yeah and so understanding that kind of stuff is super interesting and then you start talking about technology and ai and you're like wow yeah. did you know there are toys and candy in the cereal aisle on purpose <laughs> do you know the colorful boxes are hung are are placed at the level of a chill a child sitting in the cart you know yeah. and so now we are able to do that just at such a wider reach and so but but we have all the research you know from the physical world so moving into those conversations is just so cool yeah and then you realize yeah. sooner or later it's not gonna no you know the ai is gonna start maybe thinking against you we'll yeah, see. yeah 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 um, yeah you know so it, so it's it's just fun and ethics is is just the way we frame those conversations in my opinion right yeah, yeah. it's a conversation about what should we be doing which is an incredible oversimplification of ethics. So, you know, hat tip to all the true ethicists in the world who I've just completely offended. Um, <laughs> but in terms of technology, that that is the the term we use when we're thinking about, um, you know, design and what should be there. Yeah, yeah. Just because you know, we can do something, should we should we do it? Right. So, right. so Angie, I want to I want to take us back in in time to a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, having that panel discussion and. Um, I don't remember if it was the first thing that you stated as you were talking about, we were, we, we got on the subject specifically of chat GPT. Right. Uh, so uh, for our listeners, by now you're probably familiar with chat GPT. 
it is a type of uh, generative AI, conversational AI, uh, still classified in that general category of general AI. But Angie, somewhere at the beginning of what you were talking about, you talked about the timing of its release. Right. Um, and so can you take us back to that and just share sure. your thoughts on the timing of the general release of ChatGPT3? Sure. Well, so first, you know, like so many people, this this was a magical moment, right? Anyone who does technology, um, you know, is immediately wanting to log in and play with this, right? So, <laughs> so you do sort of have this magical moment because I think a lot of us who've been doing tech for a while, you know, we're both excited, but but skeptical. <laughs> Still skeptical, by the way, um, yes. of all of the messaging that's used around it and the abilities that it's claimed. But what I was pushing on in that panel was you know how we need to think a little bit better in my opinion of whether or not we regulate mm -hmm. or whether or not things like best practices and stuff will work in the tech industry and what i cited to what i was talking about at that point was the timing of the release which of course um you know hopefully everyone remembers was at least for our us um you know listeners you'll understand we're talking about thanksgiving you know it's sort of november december which quite frankly, in the global community, um, you'd have to almost be asleep under a rock to not recognize every educational system globally almost is coming to the end of a semester or a term yeah. Yeah. and releasing something like this that you can ask a question about, you know, in 500 words, tell me about George Washington's first years and, you know, and, and have it answer Yes, is absolutely, in my opinion, demonstration of the hubris of technology, right? Yeah. We have we have to releasing something like that on the world right before the end of the semester when, you know, teachers from third grade all the way through university have been have designed a syllabus to progress someone to write to either take a short essay exam mm -hmm. or write a short paper and this is built for a period of time and then all of a sudden you release something that can basically write the answer for you without yeah. any way of us recognizing that hey it makes up stuff hey it it, it cites makes made up things and just releasing that on the the world at that time is just yeah absolutely unacceptable and it is why i talk so much about ethics it's the perfect example is chat gpt going to change the world i don't know we can talk about that in a bit yeah but the yeah. timing of its release was absolutely rubbish and someone should be holding people accountable for those choices that people make not thinking through consequences when you push the button and suddenly something's widely accessible is we just can't continue to behave this way well, and and without any, I'll use the word controls, and I don't mean it in Big Brotherish style, but without any controls or guidelines uh, right. ar around it, right? Here you've got a heads up. Yeah, here's this third grade teacher that I mean, may never even heard of it, and right? all of a sudden she's reading essays from her third graders, you know, that were written about George Washington by Chad right. GPT. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy because you're just totally unprepared. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so is ChatGPT going to change the world? 
Let's go there. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation. So in some ways, maybe, right? Yeah. I think as usual, we're going to have sort of the hype curve and, you know, it's going to do all these things. I've already heard from, you know, my friends who truly do tech, which I don't. <laughs> uh, I do policy and governance, stuff like that, but the people who actually sit down and do some coding, turns out it's pretty doggone good at some of that stuff. Uh -huh. You want to talk about, you know, changing the world, understand if I now have, well, we were already moving toward no code type movements, which was right, intriguing. Right. But now if you add this power to it, this, this, is it going to change the world? It might open doors for a lot more people to have access to that type of behavior. In mm -hmm. addition, it's going to change how we, how we teach people how to engage with technology. Yeah, yeah. There's pushes for a long period of time that everyone should learn how to code. Hmm, maybe not at all at this point. Right. right. And so what I'm hearing is the people who are better prepared to enter those environments now have a little bit of coding, but understand processes and engagement and things, which is a very different way of engaging with the development of technology. Yeah. And so yeah. very quickly, we're going to, somebody's, you know, not me, <laughs> going to have to ramp up how we prepare, you know, right. students and how we think about this um, uh, completely. Um, it's, it's just, and that's just one small example, right? But I yeah. do think uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really good example of, yeah, there are, there are segments of this that will change, that will absolutely change the way we behave. And when you're talking about education, that is in some ways a little piece of change the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I can see classes in how to write prompts because the right. way you ask, and, and I keep using chat GPT, but there's others out there. It's not just chat, but this generative AI Right. Uh, where it's looking at millions and millions and millions of pieces of data uh, and creating content, basically. Right. Uh, uh, classes in how to prompt it because that you right. can guide it properly in a, I'll use the term conversation and I'll use air quotes that our listeners can't see. Uh, you can guide it in a conversation and it builds, right? Exactly. It, it'll build on that. Exactly. So yeah. when, when, when you think about, uh, a lot of our listeners are in business, uh, they're either, they're, they're probably technology professionals, mm. um, uh, decision makers, a lot of them. What are some things that they need to be thinking about, about this generative AI and bringing it into the workplace? I think this this may be a cautionary tale. So I'll do the cautionary side and then we'll go super positive. Um, so, you know, remember that these systems, and again, it's not Jet, Jet GPT alone, right? Microsoft has launched something. I think Google has as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy to think, wow, this could basically, you know, eliminate these two jobs, right? Or yeah. it can answer all my emails or fill in the blank. The problem is to do that well, it's lurking around in your system. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we do have to understand that there's, you know, there's a reason it wasn't connect. Oh, I did air quotes too. Connect. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I wanted to create that barrier. So it wasn't, um, you know, there was a moment pause between it. And, you know, if you let this loose in an environment where you have some stuff that maybe you don't want mm -hmm. uh, everyone to know, you need to give thought to not just how it's learning, let's pretend like it learns, mm -hmm. but where that learning is shared. And again, right. you can 
you can silo this, right? You can do it. But if you've got just an entrepreneurial employee that's like, look what I can do, it's too late. It's already in your system and it's crawling around almost like a virus. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of waiting to have its, you know, moment of enlightenment. And all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> oh my God, did you just write this awesome email to Dr. So-and-so? But it's got patient information in it. That's yeah. a great email that we can't send this way. Right, right. right. Like that, that I that I think needs to be a cautionary tale. You got to think about what's in your system, what you give it access to, and then you know how often you might push that information out, even in through something that, as yeah. simple as email, which of course is massive, massive. You know, I hate the phrase HIPAA because I it seems like I spend most of my life answering HIPAA questions. Mm -hmm. But you know that the example I just used is wow, yeah. is you know have we just violated federal law, student records, and employment, and all that oh, type of yeah. Thing. Angie, we're going to pause right there for a word from InterVision Systems. InterVision is the publisher of this podcast. Unlock the power of more with InterVision Systems. We provide the cutting-edge technology and expert guidance you need to take your business to the next level. Don't settle for less. Choose InterVision Systems and discover what's possible Contact us now to learn more. If you do want to learn more, visit intervision.com. Now, Angie, I want to get back to our conversation. We talk a lot in, uh, in the cybersecurity space about knowing, knowing your data and knowing where it is and, you know, protecting the crown jewels. Yet here's, here's something we could unleash unintentionally. Absolutely. Because we don't know where that data is. And all of a sudden, uh, we've opened up Pandora's box when we spent all this time trying to protect ourselves from the outside. It's now in. Right. That's right. And we, and of course, we've already seen, um, you know, a couple of instances pushed out in the news of this. Of, ooh, it turns out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, I, and my guess is, I mean, you have, you know, well-educated tech people who are listening to this. So you're going to immediately tell me, yeah, we can we can silo this much better than that. We can do much better than that. Of course you can. That's the key, yes. right? Yeah. Who's designing you, uh -huh. how you're going to use this? And if it's an entrepreneurial employee who's like, look, I'm tired of, you know, writing these emails. I'm just going to automate it. You know, that's, that's the moment in time where you have to have the right people in the room having the conversations of how you do create, you know, yeah. what it has access to, where that information can be pushed out and things like that. Because you can, through a prompt, you can feed it any information that you have access to as an employee, right? I can do a copy and paste from this file record and say, hey, write me an email that uh, talks about this. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And that's my understanding of it. And, and um, you know, and again, but you could silo it, right? You can yeah. create data that you do it. Um, and that's sort of the key. It's, it's not just a cybersecurity issue. It's also, well, it didn't do that for me. Well, you know, are you still connected to what I call the mothership, right? Are you, tra are you training yeah. the larger system or have you deployed something, you know, in just your business environment and now it's only going to be used on the data that you've given it permission to use and yeah. only used in your, in your environment. So you can also keep a bit of an eye on it uh, as well and uh, all yeah. of that stuff. Um, and, but people forget about this, right? Yeah, and, yeah. 
it's hard, right? You get employees that are like, Ooh, this is great. Cause I'm really sick of writing this email 35 times to <laughs> a day. I yeah. total respect. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the question is how to manage that. And, and luckily I will say, I don't do cybersecurity in great detail, but I certainly have dear friends that do. Mm. Cybersecurity has grown up as a profession, thank goodness. Yes. And they know how to manage people, quite frankly, behaving in some ways that there are times where I'm like, I don't get it. When, At what point have you, have, do we have an employee who's clicked on the link so many times that we just kick them off the island? They can't use right. it. They right, can't right, use it. right. And the cybersecurity professionals are always like, yeah, we, that's not how we function. <laughs> that's not <laughs> how we like, Thank goodness you're a profession because I am the type who's like, yeah, no more credentials. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and so they, they'll be able to handle this. But of course, you know, uh, yet another, you know, potential problem that's even more difficult to to wrangle in than clicking on links, which hopefully yeah. we're getting better at, right? So so what, what about... Um, having to disclose that you've used it um, in business or in school, right? Hey, I used, yeah. uh, I use this. And, and, you know, I think back to the, uh, I forget what school it was, but it was unfortunately after one of the school shootings and they send the email out and it was generated by chat GPT. Um, do you think we'll get to the point where you've got to disclose that, hey, I used AI to do this work? Um, so my my personal opinion is this is just going to become part of the, um, you know, part of the way we engage with the world. It's um, I was laughing with a group of people and I said, I'm one of those people who was in school when calculators that did <laughs> like you know, and you had the faculty member or the teacher at the time who would be like, no calculator. You got to know how to do this. And what yeah. are you going to carry around a calculator everywhere? Oh, uh, yeah, it's my phone. <laughs> right. So and I, I always wonder if 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 those teachers would have taught slightly different if they were like, OK, you don't have to have this memorized. But what you have to understand is the way the numbers work together. Yes. Right. Yes. It's not really just about addition. It's about understanding that through this complex, you know, understanding of the world, we end up with this number, but, you know, um, so, and, and there are schools, there are countries that teach that way, by the way. So, yeah. you know, and so I told, because it happened so fast, I told my students, you have to tell me, um, quite honestly, because I was really worried that a lot of places don't have rules set up to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I sort of expect you're going to use this, but you need to write it. Because as I said, like here at IU, it's it doesn't it doesn't clearly fall within the plagiarism policy, but it falls in the academic dishonesty policy, and this is a much bigger deal, right? So I have as an instructor, I can take reaction to plagiarism. You know, if I, I caught it, it's a couple paragraphs, I'm taking off some points, those type of things. Academic dishonesty is a massive thing, and it doesn't say it doesn't. So, and it applies to you not doing an academic, you know, something that you submitted. And now that probably qualifies, right? Uh -huh. so, yeah. so, you know, it's it's interesting. So I told them, look, you know, I actually expect you to use it. I was teaching an, you know, a digital ethics class. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah, I, right. So I'm like, I'm disappointed if you're not thinking about how to use this, but in footnote number one, you have to tell me, and by the way, you're responsible for all the citations and everything it writes. 
Mm-hmm. So don't look at it, not look at it, right? I'm expecting you to be the critical, you know, um, analyst and the one who's submitting, you know, something intelligent. But I'm, I would be sad if you weren't using this, <laughs> uh, which I think the students were all like, really? I'm like, no, really. But, you know, you got to put a footnote that you did it this way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think that that gets, but there's tons of people who aren't comfortable with that. And when I say it, even with my colleagues, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, calculator again. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Up without this, and I'm like, still to this day, angry that I couldn't use a calculator. Um, <laughs> it's coming through. I feel the anger. <laughs> right? You're just sort of like, really? Because yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. I wonder if they felt that way when the slide rule came out. Right. So we've dealt with new technology that you know some people would call this transformative. I think it's, it's it is going to change the way we engage with massive time um, barriers to mm-hmm. us. I also think it'll be interesting. I mean, remember. <laughs> There are a lot of people who have various types of disabilities that writing is not the easiest thing for them. Right. So imagine what load you take off just in in, in terms of time and mm-hmm. energy lost for an individual who struggles to sit down to type up paragraphs or to you know consume information and, and write two or three summary sentences. We've just changed their lives in theory, and this opens up so many possibilities. Um, you know that I would hate to see an overreaction of absolutely should never be used. Yeah, yeah. It seems awfully silly. We need to put some, you know, some hey, put a footnote here. This is how I did this. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I'm responsible for it. You know, as an academic paper or a white yeah. paper in my company or whatever. Um, so I'm not going to let it write it you know, all on its own and, and not have a look at it, but yeah. please understand much time and energy and how much of the world we've opened up to some individuals now through the use of this. Well, and it is, it's something that I know you talk a lot about appropriate use and appropriate development, right. which gets into uh, what is appropriate and who gets to decide. Right. 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 So, you know, my favorite thing to tell my students is, you know, see these four walls, guess who gets to make these decisions. (laughs) And so, you know, I do remind, you know, but, but now the, and I do that as a lesson to, this is actually the question. (laughs) This is actually the real question. Who's making the rules? Who get, who gave you the power to make these rules? Who the heck are they? Right. This is sort of 101 quite honestly which comes across a lot better when you're just like hey here are four walls please understand right. make the rules in this room with these ultra uber lords who give me sort of some general guidelines for the most part but really yeah. it's up to me now let's talk about who's making the rules who gets to decide how do i complain uh how do i take on those rules right and th- those prompt some pretty cool conversations uh, amongst the students and i think we're exactly there right now i'd yeah. be shocked if most educational systems aren't having these conversations, most businesses aren't thinking this through, uh, you know, this is, this is big. Yeah. Uh, but long-term, the question will be, okay, who's going to make these rules and what are the rules going to be? And, yeah. and, and then you've always got the other side that um, not everybody plays by the rules. Yeah, so so I'm a pretty big fan in not designing, you know, policy and rules for the people who enjoy, you know, finding the gaps and the loopholes of the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I I take your point, right? There is sort of that moment of what do we do? Yeah. We certainly as educational institutions face that, right? We know, unfortunately, 
uh, the numbers are are pretty sad when it comes to how many students at at least one time during their educational fill in the blank high school college whatever uh, have cheated. Mm-hmm. You know we know these numbers are bad, and you know one of the things I will I will say since we're talking about this type of stuff is do understand one of the things to mitigate. Um, you know, some of the cheating that occurs is to give thoughtfulness to the expectations we place on individuals, which includes time limitations and things like that. And, and, you know, just creating unrealistic expectations for how much an individual should be expected to do in a period of time, Mm -hmm. you know, being, having us better able to understand that, I think lessens the load on individuals to have to, you know, make every deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's sort of my, and my pushback, but how am I ever going to, you know, now I, I need to change the world. <laughs> Can't yes. we all, why <laughs> you all have this due on Friday? Of course, of course, someone's going to find the shortcut. Yeah. I'm never sure why that surprises people. We've got lots of years of behavioral research that mm-hmm. says, yeah, if this, you know, I'm going to do my best. I love in general, human beings do their best, um, to try to accomplish what is expected of them. Um, but yeah, we, you find shortcuts when you fall short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Angie, I'd like you to, to, uh, drag out your crystal ball here <laughs> and, and okay. talk a little bit about where, where you see the future. And maybe if you, as you're thinking about that, um, uh, two dimensions, the, the near future. So call it the next year, uh, and then, Three or four years down the road, where where are we going with this? What do you what do you see some of the some of the potential and some of the conversations that we need to have? Yeah, so crystal ball near near crystal ball. Um, I think we're we're in for a period of great uncertainty, which you know again, I, mental health therapists really concerns me. We're already coming out of a time where we were experiencing great uncertainty. And now having this level of new uncertainty, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. it just really, you know, trauma inducing, quite frankly, uh, depending on what your job is, right? Depending on, oh my gosh, do I have to, you know, figure this out this fast? By the way, I already had to put my classroom online, you know, it, it, yeah. a short time ago, right? So that's that I actually do really worry about that in some professions is the number of sort of. Uh, times we expose people to great uncertainty. Right. What's the good side on it? Uncertainty oftentimes produces change, right? And that moment where you just sort of decide to either give up or do the bootstrap thing, which is not the world's greatest um, way to say it, but it works. Mm -hmm. That moment is also oftentimes just this catalyst for something that could be incredible. And I think in the near future, we are going to see this, um, this this type of technology especially used a lot more and and so but the question is where right Right, and how do we do it appropriately um and how do we give people the training and the skills to understand both how to use it but also to think through the appropriate uses of it okay long term long term i i'm uh, I hate to be the pessimist, but it seems like today's my pessimist day. Um, I'm a little bit worried that I think, you know, for example, the example that I gave on the panel, you know, the timing of this release, you know, I think I even said it here, the timing of this release demonstrates the hubrisness yes. of the community, right? Not even seeming to not even care. 
And even when people started shouting, they're like, oh, well, you know, and you're sort of like, okay, thanks for reminding me that you're the Uber Lord and I am really in trouble. So I worry that if the tech industry as a collective doesn't get their proverbial stuff together, Mm -hmm. you're going to have regulation like you've never seen before. And that's not going to help anyone. I mean, I like the fact that technology industry can be entrepreneurial and come up with brilliant things. And the White House, was it today or yesterday, pushed out something that maybe all of these should be examined and, you know, before they get released, if they're impactful. And I'm like, my 20 bucks says they would not have thought of chat GPT as being impactful. So it wouldn't have met the standard, right? Right. You're going to see this really crazy attempt at regulation that is really potentially going to cause us problems. And do nothing but get in the way. Yeah. So the yeah. industry, as an industry, needs to become like cybersecurity professionals, in my opinion, right? They embrace the responsibility as a profession to behave in a professional way, and they all agree to do it. Yeah. And it's sort of frightening how well it works. I mean, you know, you talk to the the the, the security individuals at your organization, and they will probably tell you, yes. I could see where you're logging in from and stuff. I do that to ensure it's secured and nothing else. And their commitment to keeping, understanding the importance of infrastructure as a security measure and keeping the trains running, as they say, and all that type of stuff without being snoopy bums. Mm -hmm. Developing that as a profession is, has changed the trustworthiness of the amount of snooping that could be done, but is simply not. Not done. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and so I hold up, you know, here at IU, especially our, um, we call it UITS, but our individuals who have this, you know, keep the trains running. It's an amazing group of people who are so committed to not allowing, you know, snooping in that way. Hat tip to them. We need a, we need people to embrace professionalism. And this commitment, so we're going to set these rules and they're not just rules that we're going to blow off. Because keep in mind, ChatGPT had a pretty important funder that is someone who is massively always talking about trustworthiness, transparency, turns out, oops, right? So come on, you can't just tell us you're a profession and you're going to live up to these best practices. When the rubber hits the road, you actually have to do it. Yeah. And, if, yeah. and if this industry doesn't begin to start doing it, you're going to feel like the fin- the banks or the car or the automobile industry, if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. They are highly regulated. Um, and both industries will tell you, yeah, it's a massive pain in the keister. You yeah. Slows down innovation. But right. But, you know, but, yeah. I'm sure the automobile industry, someday I'll do my research a little bit better, but I'm sure they were super excited to have to do seatbelts. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the back of a station wagon, me and five of my friends, you uh-huh. know, WrestleMania, while we're on our way to Chicago, you know, to, to go to Great America, the big theme park. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I'm sure the automobile industry was super on board with, hey, seatbelts. But yeah. nonetheless, this is what happens when you, you're an industry that doesn't, you know, it, it gets into this regulatory cycle of, look, we're just going to regulate you. Safety, speed limits, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Um, you know, I think tech might, if they're not careful, we could see some really crazy stuff done and it will, none of us will be better off for it. I fear. Yeah. I, I, I think you're unfortunately probably correct. So, so Angie, 
Um, what's one thing if you could if you could tell our listeners uh, this group of IT professionals what's one thing that they should go do tomorrow about generative AI uh, because they listened to our conversation today? What's one action they should take? Be sure people understand how they're using it in the context of whatever setting you're in. Yeah. Right, simple. Right, even if it's a painful email or a video. You have people in your business, in your industry, and wherever they are that have played with this and could potentially be dangerous, quite frankly, if you put it in the wrong place or, or don't have it structured correctly. So be sure people understand this stuff, yeah. not the hype, because right now all we're hearing is the hype and it's going to yeah. cause us. Yep. Dig behind the hype. I, I love that, Angie. Thank you so much for carving out time to talk with us today. I, I have really enjoyed all of our conversations. Thank you. I hope we continue to have them. Uh, I would show, well, I would sure love to have you back on the show in the future talking about uh, other aspects of technology. Uh, so um, uh, hopefully you'd be open to that in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Always a wonderful uh, time to have a conversation with you, of course. To our listeners, if if you want more information, if you have a question, you want to learn more, visit intervision.com. If you want to go directly to uh, the podcast, it's intervision.com slash status dash go. We need to simplify that URL, I think. Uh, the show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Angie Raymond. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.